Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, The Winter Soldier, Chapter 4. Turnadap was beautiful, Lisa cried when the tenor sang Nursera Dorama, one of her favorite areas. The sets were elegant, colorful, the Chinese costumes glittering and resembling fantasy more than reality. The dragon was a masterpiece of sound and fury and color. All in all, it was a magnificent production, and Puccini's glorious music brought it alive. Lisa had never seen an opera except on the public broadcasting television channel. She knew that she'd never forget this for as long as she lived and every time she remembered it, she remembered Sai sitting beside her in the dark. Meanwhile, Sai was cursing himself silently for what had happened in the parking lot. It was months too soon for that. She was pregnant, nearly widowed woman, and he'd let his emotions get out of control. His jaw taunted as he remembered the silky feel of her in his arms. He wanted to take care of her, and it looked as if though she was going to need protection after all from him. Somehow he was going to have to get them back on a simple, friendly footing. It wouldn't be easy. He had no idea how she felt about what happened. Happened. She sat quietly beside him, obviously enjoying the opera. She even smiled at him from time to time, but if she was angry, it didn't show. He remembered her soft moan, her clinging arms. No, he thought. She'd gone in headfirst, too, just as he had. But he had regrets, and he suspected that she did as well. He had to draw back before he put the delicate new feeling between them at risk. Lisa was off-limits in any physical way, and he was going to have to remember that. Lisa saw a scrowl and wondered if he had regrets about what had happened. Men got lonely, she knew, and he was very masculine sort of man to whom women were no mystery. He was probably wondering how to tell her that it wasn't about a, her a few minutes ago, that any woman would have produced that reaction in a hungry man. She would save him the trouble, she decided, the minute they started home. He already done so much for her. She couldn't expect him to take over where Walt had left off. Not that Walt had ever really felt passion for her. Walt had enjoyed her enjoyed her, she supposed, but there hadn't been any sizzling attraction between them. It shamed her to admit that when she'd felt in the it shamed her to admit that what she felt in the parking lot with Sai had been infinitely more pleasurable than anything she ever done with her late husband. She didn't dare think about how it would be if they were truly intimate. Her hand jerked in size as the final curtain fell and the applause roared. She clapped automatically but made sure that both her hands were tied on a purse when they started to leave. It's a beautiful opera, she marked as he escorted her to the to the exit. Yes, it is, he agreed pleasantly. I've seen it in a dozen different cities, but I still enjoy it. I guess you've been to the Metropolitan. Lieutenant Opera in New York City, she mused wistfully. Several times, he agreed. She imagined him there with some beautiful woman in an expensive evening gown and wrapped in furs. Wasn't far to imagine them going into a dark room together where the coat and the evening gowns were discarded. She swallowed hard and tried not to think about it. He could feel tension radiating from her. She was clinging so hard to that tiny purse that she was leaving the indentations of her nails in the soft leather. When they reached the expedition, he opened the door for her, but held her back when she started to climb and said, I'm sorry about what happened earlier, he said gently. I've made you uncomfortable. <laughs> her eyes met his. I thought I made you uncomfortable, she blurted out. They stood just looking at each other until his lean face went harder than ever. With the effort not to give in to the hunger, she kindled him. You poor man, she said huskily, wincing as she saw the pain in his eyes. I know you're lonely, Sai, that you just needed someone to hold for a few minutes. It's all right. I didn't read anything into it. His eyes closed on a wave of pain that hit him like a bat. She reached up and pulled his face down to her lips. She kissed him tenderly, kissed his eyes, his nose, his cheek, his chin, with brief, undemanding little brushes of her mouth and comfort in the most exquisite way. He took a ragged breath in his lean hands. 
captured her shoulders, tightening there when he lifted his face away from her warm mouth. Don't do that, he said tersely. Why not? She asked. I don't need comforting, he said courtly. She moved back a step. It looked as if she'd done something outrageous when she'd only meant to be kind. It irritated her that he had to, to be antagonistic about it. Oh, I see, she said, staring up at him. Is this how it goes? Men are tough, little lady, she drawled deep in her voice in her draw. We can eat live snakes and chew through barbed wire. We don't want women fussing over us. She grinned up at him deliberately. He glared at her, his eyes glittering. She raised her eyebrow. Want me to apologize? Okay, I'm very sorry, she added. His broad chest rose and fell heavily. I want you to quit while you're ahead, he said in a tight voice. She stared at him without gone. I don't understand. Don't you? His smile was full of mockery, and he was seeing a succession of women from his wild days who liked to tease and run away, but not too far away. His lean hands tightened on her shoulder as his eyes slid down her body. Your husband didn't tell you what teasing does to a man. Teasing? Her eyes went, Was I? She asked and seemed not to know. That fascinated expression was real. He did scrowl and wonder what you were doing. It arouses, it arouses me, he said, but you're kidding. He wanted to be angry, couldn't manage it. She didn't look so surprised. He dropped his hands, laughing, and old cell DV in the damn truck. <laughs> he half lifted her in and closed the door on her barely formed question. She was strapped in when he pulled himself up under the steering wheel, closed the door, and reached for a seatbelt. You were kidding, she persisted. He looked right into her eyes. I wasn't, he frowned. Don't you know anything about men? I was married for two months, she pointed out to a eunuch, apparently, he said bluntly as he cranked the, the vehicle, pulled out of the parking lot into, into traffic. I am pregnant, she said hotly. He spread her. He spared her an amazed glance, amusingly. Pregnant and practically untouched, he replied. She sighed, turning her attention to the city lights as she, he wound south through Houston to the long highway that would take him home to Jacobsville. I guess it shows, huh? She asked. He didn't say anything to have for half a block or so. Did you want him? At first, she said her eyes saw this. Well, not like I wanted you in the parking lot, she said honestly. Never ever like that. <laughs> Flash of Rudy collar touched his cheekbones. He was shocked at her honesty. Sorry again, she remembered looking away. I guess I haven't learned restraint either, she added. He let out a long breath. He takes some getting used to, he remarked. Why? His eyes met hers briefly before they went back to the highway. Rain was beginning to miss the windshield. He turned on the weapon. I don't expect honesty from women, he said curtly. She found. But surely your wife was honest. Why do you think so? It's obvious how you loved your little boy, she began. His laugh had the coldest ring to it that she ever heard. She wanted an abortion. I threatened to take away her credit cards, and she gave in and had him. That must have been a difficult time for you, she said softly. It was. His joking. She was surprised that I wanted her baby. Hers, and not yours, she ventured. She ventured. Hers by one of her lovers, he said bitterly. She didn't really know which one. There was an abrupt silence on the other side of the truck. He glanced at her frozen features with curiosity. What sort of marriage do you think I had? I was a mercenary. The women you met in that profession aren't the sort who sing in church choirs. How did you know I sang in the choir? She asked, diverted. You laughed. You can say, I didn't, but it figures. You're her exact opposite. <laughs> she was still trying to understand what he was saying. You didn't love her? No, I didn't love her. He replied, we were good together in bed, and I was tired of living alone. So I married her. I had never expected it to last, but I wanted a child. God knows why. I assumed it was mine. <laughs> why did she marry you if it wasn't? She liked having ten credit cards and driving a Jaguar. He said, that produced another frown. I was rich, Lisa, he told her. I still am. 
She pulled her coat side around her and stared out the window, not speaking. She was shocked and more uncertain about him than ever. He was such a complex man, so multifaceted, that she was, just when she thought she was getting to know him, he became stranger all over again. Now what is it? he asked impatiently. I hope you don't think I agreed to come out with you. I was eager to let you buy the ranch because she flushed and closed her mouth. She was so embarrassed that she wanted to go through the floor. If I'm rich, it's because I know pure gold when I see it, he said, casting her in amusement. You think I'll assume that you're a gold digger because you came out with me? I kissed you back, too, she said wordily. He sighed with pure pleasure and relaxed into the seat, smiling to himself. Yes, you did. But it was an accident, she persisted. I didn't plan it. And I make still of us. He pulled up at he pulled up at the last street light before they left the city behind and turned to her. His eyes were narrow, very intent. There are things in my past that aren't better that are better left there. You never begin to understand the relationship I had with my wife because you don't think in terms of mat marital gain, material gain. When I was your age, you were the sort of woman I'd run from. Really? Why? She asked. He cocked an eyebrow and let his eyes run over because you told me once that you hadn't slept with Walt. Well, before he married him, Lisa, he trolled. She glared at him. I wouldn't, I would have if I wanted to, she said mutatiously, but you didn't. She threw up her hands, almost making a basketball of her small purse. She retreated from the dash and plopped it back into her lap. You're the kind of woman that men marry. He continued unbending. You're like children and small animals, and it would never occur to you to be cruel to anyone. If you gotten involved with me while I was still in my former line of work, you wouldn't have lasted a day with me. I don't suppose I would have. She had to agree. She looked through the windshield, wondering why it hurt so much to have him tell her that. Surely she hadn't been thinking in terms of the future just because of one passionate kiss. Of course, her whole body tensed, remembering the pleasure of it, the exciting things he'd said. And... And you weren't Walt's usual date, either, he said surprisingly. You liked experience. Pretty grimace. I found that out pretty quick. He said I was the most boring woman he'd ever gone to bed with, except for our wedding night. And the night before he was killed, he slept in separate bedroom. No wonder she was the way she was. He mused as the light changed, and he set the big vehicle speeding forward. She probably felt like a total failure as a woman. The child must have been some sort of constellation, because she certainly wanted it. I'll bet you hate admitting that, he said. Yes, I do. I felt inadequate, dull, boring, she muttered. He liked blondes, but not me. He liked that parcel service driver plenty. He recalled his eyes. You were pitching hay over the fence to the cows, and he was flirting with her right under your nose. I never wanted to hit a man more. Her lips parted on a quick breath. You saw that? I saw it, he said quickly. That's why I stopped by later and said something about the way you were pitching hay by yourself. He shifted in the seat. He said they were old friends, she replied. I guess he really meant they were former lovers. He never treated me to that sort of charm and flirting. He really wanted Dad's ranch. It was a pity I went with the deal. It was his loss that he took you for granted, he corrected. You're not inadequate. You proved that early tonight in the parking lot. She cleared her throat. An incident best forgotten. Why? Why? She said, Walt's only been dead two weeks. That's why. He stopped at a four-way stop and turned in his seat on the desert road to look at her. Lisa, he said quietly. It wouldn't have mattered even if he'd still been alive and you know it. What happened was mutual and explosive. It was a fluke. His hand reached out and his fingers traced her lower lip. She couldn't even speak. Would you like me to prove that it isn't? He asked quite There were plenty of dirt roads between here and home, and the seats reclined all the way. Side parks! Best of all, he moves. We wouldn't even have to worry about pregnancy, would we?
Her face was scarlet. She knew it was. He was making her breathless with that torturous brush of his fingers, and she was vulnerable. She never really known desire until tonight, and she wished she could turn the clock back a day. Life was difficult enough already without this new complication. He drew in a long breath and lifted his hand back to the stream. God knows I want to, he said shortly. But you die of shock and never speak to me, and afterward... I certainly would, she faltered, pushing her hair back unnecessarily, just for something to do. He shook his head. He'd known her such a short time, really, but she seemed to hold his attention even when he wasn't with her. Every future of any thought of these days and considered her a part in. It was disturbing to know that he considered her part of his life already. She fiddled with the top button on her coat. Her eyes were restless, moving from the dark horizon to the occasional lighted window, flashing past as a utility vehicle picked up speed. What he said disturbed her, mostly because she knew it was true. She'd have gone anywhere with him, done anything with him. It made her guilty because she should be mourning Walt. Don't brood, said so Tony. You're safe. No more torrid interludes tonight, I promise. She fought a smile and lost. You're a terrible man. You have no idea how terrible. He paused to look both ways before he crossed the lone intersection. Harley's fired your part-time hired hands, by the way. He's what? Calm down. They were being paid for work they didn't do. That's economically disastrous. <laughs> But who'll get the hay and brand the calves? She worried. You didn't hear the noise. Harley got the tractors out in your hay field early this morning. The haying's done. The corn crop is next. I'm hiring on four new men. Harley will supervise them, and your place will live up to its promise. He glanced at her. You haven't decided not to sell it, have you? I can't afford to keep it, she confessed. I'm glad you don't plan to build a subdivision on it or something. It's been in my family for hundreds of years. Dad loved it with all his heart. I love it, too, but I have no idea how to make it pay. I'd like to see it prosper. I think I can promise you that it will. She smiled, content with just being next to him. He turned on the radio, and soft country music filled the cab. After a few minutes, her eyes slid shut as all the sleepless nights caught up with her. She was vaguely aware of being gently shaken. She didn't want to be disturbed. She was warm and cozy and half asleep. No, she murmured drowsily. Go away. I have to, came a deep, amused voice at her ear. Oh, have a scandal. We'll never live down. Come on, in bedtime. She felt herself tugged out of the seat and into a pair of warm, hard arms. She was floating. Floating. Si didn't wake her up. He took off her shoes, tossed the cover over her, put her glasses on the bedside table, and left her on the bed in her nice dress and coat. He didn't dare start removing things, considering his earlier passionate reaction to her. But he stood beside the bed, just watching her, joined the sight of her young face, relaxed in sleep. He wondered how old she was. She never had told him. He turned and went back out in the hall, pausing to check the lock on the back door in the kitchen before he went out the front one, locking it carefully behind him. He still wasn't convinced that Lopez wouldn't make a beeline for Lisa if he thought his men could get away with harming her, so I was going to make sure that didn't happen. He stopped by the bunkhouse to have a word with Nels before he went home and climbed into his own bed. He stared at himself in the bedroom mirror, his eyes narrow and cynical as he studied his lean, scarred face and equally scarred body. He was only thirty-five, as Lisa had already guessed, but he looked older. His eyes held the expression of a man who lived with death and survived it. He was, a wound, he was wounded inside and out by and out by the long, lonely, terrible years of the past. Lisa soothed the part of him that so ached, but she had roused a physical need that he almost forgotten he had. She was a special woman, and she needed him. It was new to be needed on a personal level. He thought about the child she was carrying and wondering if it would be a boy or a girl. She needed someone to help her raise it. He wanted to do that. He had nobody, and neither did she. They could become a family. 
for the child's sake. He turned off the lights and went to bed, but his dreams were restless and hot. When he woke up the next morning, he felt as if he hadn't slept at all. Hurley got the calves branded in the corn in the silo in quick order. You've got a knack for inspiring cowboys to work, Harley. So I told him one afternoon a few days later. I get out there and work with them. Make them ashamed of being lazy. Harley told him with a grin. Most of them can't keep up with me. I noticed. Cy so leaned back against the coral fence. Stared at the younger man evenly without blinking. You were out near the warehouse last night. What did you see? Three big trucks, Harley said solemnly. One had some old stuff on the back. Looked like oil drums lashed together. That was disturbing. So I knew that drug dealers threw portable bridges across rivers to let trucks full of their product drive to the other side. What Harley was describing sounded like a makeshift platoon bridge. Sai and the mercenaries he worked with had used them too. Did you get a little good look at what was in the trucks? He asked. Harley shook his head. The doors were closed and locked. I was afraid to risk trying to pick a lock with all the hardware around. Those guys have Uzis. I know, so I said without thinking. Harley's eyebrows went up, and he grinned in a fairly condescending way. Do you now? Are you using Uzis to load cattle these days, boss? So I realized what he said, Joe. I wasn't listening, sorry. No problem. I noticed a couple of new faces over there, he added. Tough-looking men, and they weren't wearing suits. Get back out there tonight, so I don't. Be careful, Harley. I've got a bad feeling about this whole thing. He didn't add that he was worried about Lisa. He saw her every other day in the paperwork had just been completed and signed, ready for the transfer of money and deeds. He wouldn't be surprised to learn that Lopez had an informant in town who'd tell him that. It might prompt the drug lord to hasten actions if he thought Lisa was selling the ranch in order to move away. He couldn't know that Cy planned to rent her the house. He wouldn't like having a search having to search for her. Knowing that bothered him and he mentioned it to Lisa when he stopped by to see her the next day. Harley had seen yet another unfamiliar face on the warehouse property and he also seen flat after flat of jars being moved inside the structure. The drug dealers were getting ready to begin operations. Things would heat up very soon or Sy missed his guess. He didn't want Lisa in the middle of it. Have you got a family you could visit out of state? He asked without praying Amal as he joined her in the living room, where she had gas logs burning in the fireplace. She curled up on the sofa in her jeans and knit turtleneck white sweater and stared at him curiously. I don't have family anywhere, she confessed. Maybe a cousin or two up around Fort Worth, but I wouldn't know where to look for them. He sighed heavily, leaned forward in the chair with his arms crossed over his knees. All right, he said, seemingly to come to a decision. If you leave the house from now on, I want to know first. If you can't get me, you call Webb Scott. Why? He knew she was going to ask that. He didn't have a very logical mind. I don't know what Lopez is up to, he said honestly. He may have given up on ideas of targeting you. On the other hand, he may be lulling us into a false sense of security. I'd rather err on the side of caution. That suits me, she said agreeably. Do you have a phone by your bed? Yes, she said it makes me feel more secure. He said, don't forget to keep your doors locked, even in the daytime, when you're home alone. I... Uh I'm not much, she said without thinking. Harley comes by every day to check on me, sometimes twice a day. His eyes narrowed. He didn't like that, although he's good for Harley. She got a nuisance of something in his hand. Do you mind? She asked deliberately. He'd been remote, and she'd hardly seen him since the night of the opera. She wondered if he'd been avoiding her, and she concluded that he was. His manner now was standoffish, and he seemed in a hurry to leave. She wanted to know if he was at the least bit put out by Harley's attentiveness. It's your life, he said nonchalantly. Tilting his brimmed hat over one eye. He's a steady young man with a good future. He couldn't be thinking. Or could he? He started to 
She started to tell him that Harley was friendly and that she had no romantic interest in him. Before she could, Cy was already on his way out the door. She went after him, trying not to be in undignified and run. She didn't catch up to him until she was down the steps. When do we close on the sale? She asked, having no other excuse for following him. Turned at the door of the utility vehicle. The first of next week, Kep said. It will take that long to get the paperwork filed. Okay, you'll phone me? I will, or Kep will. That sounded less than friendly. She wrapped her arms around her chest and leaned against one of the posts that held up the long porch. That's fine, then, she said with force here. Thanks. He opened the door and hesitated. Are you in a rush to close? She shrugged. Not really. I just wanted to know when I need to start paying rent. I was going to go see Mr. Kep next week about that job. She thought he didn't want her around, and that was so far from the truth that it might as well have been orbit, but he didn't want to rush her frighten her hell he didn't know what he wanted anymore i'll see you monday he said he got into the vehicle without another word he didn't even look back as he drove away lisa stared after him with her heart around her ankles so much for her theory that he was attracted to her she supposed that he had second thoughts might be just as well he was mourning his son whom he'd obviously loved even if it wasn't his own child and she was a recent widow expecting a child of her own she'd been spinning daydreams and it was time to stop and face reality so i wasn't her future even if she hoped he was hers she turned and went back into the lonely house paused in the clothes and locked the door behind her. End of chapter 4